cream of the crop. Who the f is that guy? I'm better than you. And you know it. This is The Law, live audio wrestling with the latest news, info, and interviews from the world of pro wrestling, mixed martial arts, and the best of combat sports worldwide. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Tidwell and Grady Weta. Welcome to The Law, live audio wrestling. I am your host, Chris Tidwell, and this week is going to be extra special. Not only is it the debut episode, but we are going to talk a little bit of impact. We're going to talk Bound for Glory. We're going to talk a little bit of Misfits Boxing. We're going to talk UFC 294, Volkanovski versus Makachev. We're going to talk the situation with USADA. We're going to talk AEW. And then we are going to sit down with AEW. Um, how could you say it? The host of AEW one Mr. RJ City in what is going to be a fantastic episode. You do not want to dare miss this one. But before we get to all of that, I would be remiss if I did not introduce all of you to my wonderful co-host, one Mr. Brady Wedham. Brady, what is going on, brother? My friend, I am happy to be here. And so this is The Law Live Audio Wrestling. It absolutely is the law, live audio wrestling. And some of you, you know, may be a little confused because you've heard the name before. If you'd have to go back many, many, many years, all the way to the very beginning to be able to put one and one together and come up with me. The mid-90s. The mid-90s, uh, TID. 1996, to be exact. Let me take you guys back on a little history lesson. Oh, I'm excited. I am so stoked for this. Let's go. So the year is 1996. And uh, Donnie Abreu, uh, one big daddy, Donnie Da Silva, um, has come to me with the idea of doing a wrestling show on a station that he was approached by one Mr. Gentleman, Jeff Merrick, um, Mr. Bob Makowitz Jr., and Mr. George Strombolopoulos. This was a station that was run by a gentleman by the name of uh, um, John Walters. Okay, he was starting. He was starting a new online radio station called Virtually Canadian, and this 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 station had a number of people come out of there, like the three aforementioned people that I mentioned to you uh, just there, as well as uh, Caroline Bargoot, who is a news anchor out in Manitoba, I believe still, um, as well as uh, Deadly Headley Jones, very famous DJ at the time in the Toronto uh, area. Um, Brian, uh, uh, who, who else do we have from City TV? Sid the Deuce Sixero. Oh, these are Canadian legends. Yeah, absolutely. And they all came from the same, the same location. This location was in downtown Toronto, and we were asked to do this show. And so, sure, we the first week of doing this show, the show was actually not called The Law Live Audio Wrestling. It was actually called Slam the Wrestling Show, oh which Donnie goodness. came up with. And we were right across the street 
garden. Okay. Directly across the street, pretty much. You could throw a stone right through the window of Greg Oliver's office over where he was, where slam sports was already a thing. Was it slam sports or slam canoe back then? It was, it was canoe. Yeah. It was canoe, but it was slam was its own entity of a portion of canoe. Okay. You had slam wrestling. You had slam um, baseball. You, you know what I mean? You had all the different components of that. And so Greg Oliver uh, very nicely sent us a message, sent us an email, phone call. I can't remember which it was. Might have probably an email. And basically said to us, hey, I don't like the fact that you're using that name. Uh, there's going to be a problem. Now, I'm paraphrasing here. Um, so please do not call the show Slam the Wrestling Show because you're not affiliated with us or Canoe. Now, were you doing it to show him out in a sense or were you just doing it just that was just the name you ran with? I think it was just the name that Donnie had come up with and that we ran with. Okay. So after the first week, we had to come up with a new name. So up to the boardroom we go with everybody in tow, all of uh, myself, Donnie, Jeff Merrick. um, uh, If I'm not mistaken, Mike Wixon might have even been there that day. You had executives Uh, there. We had all of the big wigs sitting in George Trombolopoulos, everybody that was associated with and around this show sitting around the boardroom table trying to come up with a new name for the show that worked, that was good, and that, you know, had some kind of marketability behind it. Well, and it had blown up really quick, too. That's the reason why you guys were scrambling to change the name so like so badly is because your show was starting to become a thing right away. Immediately, because it was the only thing. It was mm-hmm. the only wrestling show uh, out there of its kind. There's no doubt about it. So... As we're sitting around and I said to everybody when we're, you know, we're coming up with names and I'm thinking to myself, what is it that we do? What, what, what is the show, right? It's a show about wrestling. It's an audio show about wrestling. That's an A and a W. What can we do with A and a W? Well, we do this. Oh, wait, hold on a second. We do this show live. So that's an L that's an L and an A and a W and that spells law. And the law is kind of this entity that is supposed to be the uh, the be all end all, the the ultimate voice, the the voice of authority, the judge's right? gavel. It, it, that's what the law is. And the law represents. So us as that show should be just that the law. We are the authority of everything that we do when we talk about it. And I said, hey, guys, I've got the name. And here's the name. And I explained it to him. It's live audio wrestling. And that's a great acronym uh, acronym because it spells the law and the law is the be all end all of all of this. And everybody looked at me and said, you know, you got one hell of a face for radio, but damn, you come up with some good names. And so that's what it was. And that's where it came from. Dare I say brilliant. Well, listen, and then it was happened to be at the same exact kind of time that, you know, the show gets really, really popular. Mm-hmm. I, I in turn am now wrestling myself as I go off to, you know, pursue a career as a professional wrestler and don't have the time to commit to the show. Well, and you were the, one of the only pieces of media that was backstage during the Montreal screw job. Like that's how big this show was and how embraced it was by the wrestling community. 
we were very fortunate. We were very fortunate to befriend one Mr. Owen Hart. And that was the reason that we were able to get, you know, the access that we did Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the time. The very first interview, the very first interview that we did for a WWE, WWF uh, superstar was Ron Simmons. Okay. He was doing the Farouk character and they brought him to the studio in limo and the nicest guy in the world i've heard yeah and you know we had we had a very good relationship with wwe at the time and then built a very good relationship with wcw as well um we were very fortunate to befriend people from both companies and 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 get access where normally you wouldn't get access normally you would have to be a dave Meltzer who was still selling his dirt sheet in the you know dirt sheet form so to speak you know what i mean where you would mail out almost like old punk rock maximum overdrive fanzines because that's really what it was was a fanzines there were there was that there was things like tape trading you know especially in in canada you had like uh uh who was it uh uh vern siebert i I believe it was yeah had had a big tape trading there was an online site too right right tape trade yeah you could donate so we were really the we, we were taking it all it was a you know a, a wild wild west mentality where we were the the first we were the people's court so to speak of all of the the, the shows that came to follow us right mm-hmm. um i went on to do my thing and i left the show and in leaving the show i left them with the name because they needed a name for a show well, and there's no sense of the amount of momentum and steam it had. Who are you to be like, you're not going to lose it. It's not like it's just going to drift off in a whole bunch. It's in people's hands that you trust and you know it's not going anywhere. Well, I mean, what do I? What am I going to do with it outside of there? This yeah. is what it was named for. This, You know what I mean? This is what it was used for. This is why it was created. That's what it is for. It's always been for that show, a live audio wrestling show. With right? that crew. Yeah. With that crew. So then, fast forward a little bit. Yeah, fast forward through some different, uh, uh, you know, some different hosts. Because I know there's listeners listening right now from all eras of the sure. law. So let's uh, we fast forward a little bit. You've you've gone on to wrestling. You started your career. The guys, Jeff and, and Donnie and everyone are, are in-house still. What happens after that? So best to my recollection, Fight Network ends up purchasing the show. <clears throat> Wait, do. They purchased. So who did they buy it off of? They bought it off of Jeff and Mike Wixon. But did they actually buy the show? They bought the program. So, no, they brought the programming slot, it sounds like, with the people that were there. They didn't buy the show. They didn't like you didn't get a paycheck for starting it. Nobody got a paycheck. Not at all. Not so they at didn't all. buy the show. They bought the time slot. They bought the people Correct. that were there and put Correct. them on contracts. Yeah, you were gone, long gone. By I then. was already gone. Okay. I'm just trying to follow it all. So the law live audio wrestling still continues Mm -hmm. flourishes with a new set of hosts, right? Jason Agnew, John Pollock, who was uh, an engineer, right? For us. I think Jason started off as an engineer as well. When they're at fan 590, an intern or something like that. Yeah. I don't know the history of that. So when they took bit, over, but... they took over the thing. And then with Dan Lavransky being there, who was a character on the show that we had on there as well. And she's collector, and, record and, collector. Yeah. 
and 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 they did fantastic job of you know continuing uh, uh, the standard that is live audio wrestling. Okay. And then for whatever reason, well, it was on TV at one point. It was on TV. Fight Network had it as as a show. Somehow it was TV. called Live Audio Wrestling, but it was a TV show. Was, well, I mean, it's amazing what you can do. Yeah. It was a very, very established brand is, is what we're, we're saying. 100%. It's, yeah. It is a very established brand. There's no doubt about it. And then you fast forward a little bit more. The great war of entertainment in Canada over the 2000s <laughs> is what I like to call it. Right. The great war. And, and and then fast forward a little bit more. And then you find out that, you know, you and I are sitting there having a conversation. Well, before that, even We're, before be even before that. So if anybody listening does not doesn't know Jason Agnew and a, and a few of the guys, they split ways. Um, the show kind of just dissolved, I guess, off of TV and radio. Well, and... they were in the well, Anthem, <laughs> Anthem and Fight Network. Yes. Anthem had bought Fight Network and they were dumping a lot of money into one specific product that they that they owned. And in doing so, they did a lot of cuts mm-hmm. at Fight Network. One of the things that they cut was the show Live Audio Wrestling, The Law, because they're putting all of their money into another venture. Which, you know, is they what it a- is. They put a lot of money in this stuff. Tons then. of money. Tons yeah. of money when they were when they were first buying all of that. So the show just ended. Yep. There, there's an entity still of like, you know, a back uh, back catalog uh, on a YouTube channel for live audio wrestling. Right. Yeah. I think the fight never produced stuff. Yeah. Yep. There's still stuff on there. And then um, the guys started a new show. The guys well, it- started a new show, did they not? I think two of them went over and started something called Post, mm-hmm. which was John uh, and Way, mm-hmm. and then Jason and Dan and a few of the guys went over and started something called SMNE Radio, which is Sunday night's main event, which eventually found its way onto TSN and got itself uh, nationally distributed uh, on the radio and has become kind of a, a major radio property and took over where live audio right. wrestling was on the radio. So they knew they knew that they had they had put in enough time to where they had established themselves as entities. And they knew that the name didn't have to define what they were doing. So they were still able to go out there and put on shows. Right. And do the thing that they were doing uh, just under a different name. But it's still the same the same core people that a lot of people knew. Right. Yep. So SNME ends up in your lap mine and uh my business partner and executive producer of this show randy charpentier and live audio wrestling the law live audio wrestling i should say um does pretty much bubkis Mm -hmm. so much so i think that at one point um a company out there called impact tried to start a twitch thing uh, yeah. with, uh, who was it? Jeremy Borash, I believe. I believe so. Right. Doing a, trying to, when they were, you know, digital media stuff and trying to get involved with that, but nothing really came of it. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of like disappeared and nobody was doing anything. And then us in our infinite wisdom decided to do some searching. 
because we were met with an opportunity uh, to do a show, a throwback, a wrestling show. And I said, well, if I want to do this, I would really like to do this as the original entity. So we did some searching and found out that that name, that trademark, that everything that I had come up with, my intellectual property at the very beginning. Get this, ladies and gentlemen. Was available. And and, was... and and and. Well, not just available. It was screaming to me. It was almost like kismet. And the universe said, you need to have this name back. It's just crazy that after, you know, 26 or 20, almost 27 years of the thing, no one ever thought it would be a good idea to register it, trademark it or copyright it. Well, somebody did think it was a good idea and that was us so we have now gone out the name the law live audio wrestling has been trademarked it has been copywritten it has it, it is owned by us and there is absolutely nothing wrong with any of that well at it's no, yours to begin with anyway at no time at no time is this being done is this being done to disparage anybody's hard work prior to this? In fact, Thank I you. celebrate all of the hard work that has been done to carry on the legacy of the name. Yep. Right. Big deal. That and we're going to work was. our ass off to do the same. And I would never expect any less from myself or this show other than to do it justice by doing the right thing and creating Amazing content for all of you, the wrestling fans that have been saying, man, we wish the law could come back, man. I used to listen to it when, you know, TID and Donnie first started this thing. And then I listened when it was Jeff Merrick and Donnie. And then I listened when it was Agnew and John Pollock and Dan Lavransky. And uh, I just really missed the show. And it had a, it had a great vibe. Well, we're going to continue that vibe. We're going to continue that vibe. Um, starting today so i'm excited so 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 buckle up uh let's let's have some fun let's have some interaction uh you can also you can send in any of those emails any messages you have for us i'll tell you right now you can reach me on almost all of the social medias at at notorious tid it hasn't changed in you know 26 27 years you can also send us emails to thelaw.liveaudiowrestling at gmail.com. And I look forward to getting all of your emails. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because we are going to do this together. This show is being done for all of you by us. And uh, we hope you enjoy it. Let's now, do the damn thing. Now, with that said, let's jump into it, and we will get more into this through the weeks. I'm sure more questions will come up that I'll have to answer, and you know, I, I look forward to that. I look forward to answering any and all questions that you may have and uh, having fun along this journey a second time around for myself. So let's go.
Well, if you're listening to this on a Sunday, October 15th, next week, we have an event coming up in Chicago, Illinois, October 21st. Impact Wrestling is putting on Bound for Glory. Now, this is their WrestleMania, basically. They, they're the only ones who kind of took the fall WrestleMania pattern. I love that they do. They always do Bound for Glory in the fall. It just feels like something special. Um, there's three matches on this card that we have to talk about. Absolutely. First up, we have, let's just talk about the main. We have Alex Shelley versus Josh Alexander, and that is for the Impact uh, Championship. Josh is a friend of the show. Josh is a friend of ours. Uh, what do you think about Josh going in here and being put right back into into uh, the main event? Here's the fantastic thing is you're looking at two guys. You're looking at a guy in Alex Shelley who has been around relatively from the same area. He's a Michigan guy. Yep. You know what I mean? Broke his teeth in that area, right? Or cut his teeth, I should say. Probably broke a few too. Um, but but you're looking at a guy who's been around and he's a he's an actual vet in this business and not just in this business, but in the Ontario, Michigan, upstate New York, you know, I mean, that kind of territory in the kind of in that area, mm -hmm. uh, BCW, Scott DeMore's company out of Windsor. He's he's that kind of a guy Yep, comes to Hamilton every now and then, too. He's the fact the fact that Josh is fortunate enough to get this kind of a match with Alex Shelley um, can only lead to great things. Uh, I've said it before, and you'll hear me say this an awful lot, and this isn't biased, or maybe it is. Take it for what it is. But this area of the world, this area of North America, has something in the water where it turns out some top, top talent in the world of professional wrestling, more so than any other area. Now, I'm yeah. not saying that other areas don't have great talent. I'm saying that this area per capita definitely seems to turn out a lot more. Right. So this is no different. And you're talking about Josh, who's coming back, coming back from a severe injury that had him out for quite some time. You know what I mean? He's just coming back from doing doing his first trip over to Japan. Mm -hmm. Right. And then he's getting some some much needed uh, legwork in getting his cardio up because he's going to need it. So Alex Shelley is going to definitely work him hard. And, 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 and Josh, Josh is up for the challenge. Yeah, There's no doubt a, about that. This right? should be a wrestling clinic. Both guys love going hard with this. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be a match that whether you are just a, a, a WWE fan, whether you're just an AEW fan, whether you're only an impact and ROH like indie type fan, this is a match that if you know anything about wrestling inside of North America, you need to watch because if you know who these two names are, you know how they've progressed and you know how they've grown over the years. And we are seeing them at the peak of their performance time. So, yeah, I'm excited about this match in general. Mark my words, it's going to be a master class in wrist locks. <laughs> so many wrist locks. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Now, <laughs> next up, uh, we have Alex Shelley's uh, tag partner and uh, one half of the Motor City Machine Guns taking on Kenta. The, oh, again, they're again, stacking it's, this it's up. Almost, it's almost like it's almost like you you've put his partner in with the you know the Japanese version, very close, very similar to a Josh Alexander. Yep. Kenta is one amazing talent, still very young in the game, right? And and both of these guys, Josh and Kenta, get to get in the ring with a couple of guys that 
will take them to that next level. There's Kent no doubt about it. Kind of a young old though. He yes. is man. He went so hard in his, his early years that I think he's about you know 15 years older than he should be right now. <laughs> but he still has that baby face. So who knows? Well, that's it. That's going to be another classic. Going to be hard hitting for sure. And the last match that we need to talk about. Me personally, this has to be my my main event. It might be okay. one of the best matches of the year. We have Will Ospreay coming in to Impact Wrestling to take on one Speedball Mike Bailey. What the hell? This will go down. This will go down as a match that you need to um, frame it. You need to stick it on your mantle and you need to talk about it to your grandchildren when they come over to ask you questions about the way that wrestling was. This is going to be a match, dude, that a lot of people are going to talk about for a long time. It's worth the price of admission of the pay-per-view. It's worth the price of admission of a ticket. It's worth the price of admission of flying down there to see the event live. Like this, my hope, my hope is that they don't try to do too much and something gets botched. You know what I mean? My hope is that they don't try to get too crazy with it. Both of these guys are so smart. Both of these guys are so educated in what they do in the ring. The striking of Mike Bailey right now is so fucking on point that, I mean, he, he's he's on a next level. Since getting the ability to go down to the States and work and travel, you know what I mean? He is just he's really he's amped himself up to he's back and beyond. Yeah. And clearly Impact knows this. Because they're putting him in with not just not just a top tier guy. They're putting him with a guy who is like worldwide. He may be the best team. right now in the world. You know what I mean? Like it is unbelievable how good Will Ospreay really is. And this is the match. Like, so you see what impact is doing here. They've really taken they've taken guys um that they know are fantastic names. And they're putting him in with their younger talent that they want to groom on that next level. And each one of these guys, each one of these guys is going to, you know, Josh and Bailey are both going to see what that next level is like. Right. I hope they get both put, they both get put over. They they deserve it. There is no doubt about it. They've both been working so hard. And they deserve to get that kind of push. Now, does that mean that it'll happen? Who knows? Because it's the world of professional wrestling and crazier things have been known to happen. Well, the last thing I can say about uh, Speedball is that every time I watch him kick someone, I'm always like, hey, I thought this was supposed to be a work. You know, you would think that. You would think wow. that. But he clearly has fantastic control. He feel, He clearly knows exactly what he's doing. And that is the... That's the epitome of being a professional, right? And and Bailey has always been that kind of a guy. Well, we would uh, we would be uh, reminisced if we didn't to uh, go from one sport to the next. This is a combat sports show, absolutely. It, it after is. all, now and before we get into that, I just want to say make sure that you do check it out. Go go make sure you order your Bound for Glory pay per view. One hundred. Make sure you yes. watch these matches. Make sure you support Impact Wrestling. Make sure you support Ring of Honor Wrestling. Make sure you support AEW, WWE, New Japan, whatever the case, AAA, whatever the case may be. Just go out and support wrestling because you love wrestling. 
And these matches at Impact, they're going to show you why you love wrestling. Now, well, and if you loved boxing, well, yesterday's card, you would really have to love boxing to get through that five hours of chaos. Uh, Chris, do you want to take this away? So clearly you're talking about the Misfits boxing card, the prime card, as they were calling it, that was uh, being headlined by uh, the, the son of, the son of the gypsy king king i guess i guess well, he's Mr. the king king the king king grand the, king the the grand the, the grand pooba uh, the grand pooba of the gypsies pooba is probably a good word for him <laughs> the pooba one, one john fury uh the father of uh six children and two of them happen to be boxers uh of course everybody knows the lineal heavyweight champion tyson fury but the younger brother uh tommy fury who has already beat jake paul in the ring uh tommy fury who got his start his start came from being a uh, a reality tv show one of these british reality big brother type tv shows because he's a beautiful specimen of a human being and they put him on a tv show and now he's a boxer inside of the family and that thing was headlined with him taking on KSI, one half of the partnership duo of the prime drink uh, 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 connection there. And then, and then the co-main event, of course, Logan Paul, current WWE superstar and fantastic, might I say, just fantastic worker in the WWE. Future the, U.S. His, champ. His athleticism has brought him to a level so fast in the WWE that it is unbelievable and unparalleled um, how quick he took to the world of professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. His athleticism is great. His boxing up to this point, not so much, but they stuck him in with a jujitsu guy who, I mean, listen, he couldn't throw hands if he had one of those dog ball launchers. (laughs) Like there, he couldn't like, Dylan Dennis embarrassed not only um, the world of boxing, he embarrassed himself um, and and he embarrassed everything about combat sports. And it's no it's no surprise to me that is a guy he's a guy who hasn't fought for four years and it looked like it. Someone needs to give that microphone a world title because that was the best hit out of the entire card, and that was two days before. Absolutely. At the press conference when, uh, you know, um, Logan Paul decided to bag check Dylan Dennis with a water (laughs) bottle and thinking there was nothing going to come of that, and Dylan Dennis was like, yeah, you think your water ball's going to hurt? Watch this, and I'm going to throw a microphone at your face. Dude, he stabbed at him like Jason Voorhees fantastic i mean listen the card itself was not spectacular you said bullshit wrong i don't think you ever expected it to be a listen you weren't getting you weren't getting this to get you know like you know canelo and charlo at the top of the card or you know what i mean you weren't getting you weren't getting uh tank Davis, you weren't getting, you know, Ryan Garcia, you weren't getting any of that stuff because this is, this is a, and they're very quick to tell you, this is called, they call it crossover boxing. So it's a bunch of influencers. The entire card started off with a fucking tag team match, Brady. I'm so hot that I watched the entire five hours. I'm not going to, I know it was yesterday, but I'm still sour. 
I thought that tag team boxing was just going to be one of those things that you only saw in like, you know, on YouTube from Russia or something like that. I you didn't I mean? mind it in the first round at the first round. I was like, Oh, you know what? I don't hate this. And I started writing notes. So I was like, I don't hate this. And then by the second round, I was like, I, hate I just, this. I took my notes and just threw the book out. And yeah. thank God, because there was nothing else to write about because what there, a monstrosity of an event. It I was, feel bad for whoever purchased that. Well, and here's the thing. That just goes to show you the power of uh, persuasion, so to speak, because as you're watching this show and you're seeing all of the lights, it looked like a it looked like a Bray Wyatt uh, event going on out there because it was, it was everybody in the stands, 20,000 people they put in these stands uh, and everybody had their phones out. Because it's all about social media and fireflies everywhere, everywhere. That's what I was saying. Like, it looked like a Bray Wyatt entrance. You know what I mean? With all of the lights being shown and you only see one half of the arena. But, you know, it was exactly the same on the other half as well. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a spectacle to see. The crowd was probably the other champion outside of the microphone for being as uh, loud as they were right to the end. One hundred percent. Yeah, they were great. They were great. The British fans love boxing. They love these uh, freak show events. They love anything that comes to, you know, across the pond. It was it was one of those events. Like I said, it was a spectacle to see. But after seeing it, you wanted to pour bleach into your eyes. Horrible. Horrible. Right. Horrible. And that's pretty much all we're going to say, because there will be more of these things. Uh, Also, very quickly, shout out to two guys, though, I must say Uh, shout out to Slim. And shout out to Salt Poppy yes. for actually having a decent fight. And shout out, extra shout out to Salt Poppy for the the transformation that he's gone through in the last couple of years, strictly from just exercise and boxing. And he actually enjoys this, you know. But Slim, Slim with that long reach, like there was, he actually did some good things. So if you're going to have a shining light that came out of this proverbial uh, pile of dung, I'd say it was those two gentlemen right there. And, uh, you know, look for them in future Misfits Boxing stuff if that's what you're into. But I don't know. I don't even know how Misfits Boxing is going to be able to bounce back after after that fiasco where Dylan Dennis shoots for a double leg. Uh, Logan Paul tries to hammer fist him on the ground. And then in the main event, um, you you know, which was a very close fight in that main event. Clinch fight. Very close. Yeah. Hug fest. You know, that in which that uh, I don't care. Spoiler alert. uh, Tommy Fury ends up winning this thing. And then KSI uh, acts like um, an impetulant child throwing a fit afterwards. Yeah, it was uh, beyond bonkers. I don't don't know how you bounce back. I refuse to watch a full event again. I'll watch it in the background, but I'm never giving it my full attention again. These things are just chaos. I, I should have learned my lesson after the Nate and Jake. But none right. of us do. We're in this TikTok generation and we're getting sucked into it, Chris. I'm a 40-year-old man and I'm getting sucked into this. None of us do because they did a fantastic job of selling it, which yeah. is what they're supposed to do. They filled that arena, right? They they probably did decent pay-per-view numbers on DAZN. Um, but more importantly is they got a ton of people talking about it. Well, and Dylan Dennis, uh, basically what he accomplished was killing any of his chances with doing a rematch in MMA, killing any of his chances of doing anything outside of jiu-jitsu again. And speaking of MMA and speaking of jiu-jitsu, let's move over to 294 UFC 294. We have 
I guess now it's Islam versus Volk and uh, Usman versus Hamzat. But let's just call it UFC 294 because you don't know what's going to change by next week. And on the main card. Starting. Thankfully, thankfully, we have a main card. Thankfully, yeah. we have a UFC 294. Thankfully, we have something to look forward to after that boxing fiasco. Well, we do, because uh, the card starts off with Saeed Nurmagomedov versus Muin Muffin Gavarov. That's a, that's a mouthful for you to say there, huh, Brady? I said all those <laughs> things, and I said them right. Absolutely. Well done. Uh, yeah, of course. Listen, this entire card being set up, it's over at the at the in where in I can't Abu pronounce Dhabi? it. it well, I, I guess. Yes. Yes. We okay. consider I get well, it's in Dubai Etihad Arena in the Yas Island. Yeah. Thad. So, yeah. It's in the Thad Arena. Yeah. <laughs> Thad. Uh, and of course, you know, listen, more importantly, with everything that's going on in the Middle East right now, oh, it's a tough time to be going over there to be doing fights. I mean, uh, let's hope you know, everybody's over there. Let's right. hope that everybody is going to be okay with this thing. Um, and let's hope that um, it goes off without a hitch and everybody gets over and out of there safely. But yes, this fight is going to be full of a lot of guys uh, that you're going to see on these cards. And as we, as we run this down a little bit, um, they all end in most of them end in the letter V. Yeah, a, a lot of them do. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them do. In the bantamweight division, like I said, we have Saeed Nurmagomedov versus Muin Gafarov, and uh, we have Russia versus Tajikistan. Is that what it is? Is Tajikistan just 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 Tajik Tajikistan? Tajikistan. Hey, I've never been there. Have you? No. Oh, I'm not going. It doesn't sound I, like. No, I can't afford those. Things. Well, I don't know how to buy the plane ticket to a place I can't pronounce. That would be really horrible if you had to go and like actually, you know, say, hey, I need a ticket to. I'm going to do media coverage at their gym. Damn it. <laughs> I just got the email. All right. Well, up in the bantamweight division, we have Saeed versus Muin. Uh, I think Saeed takes this. Everybody knows that Saeed is, is pretty much a. Absolutely. They're just feeding him names right now. Absolutely. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Gavarov. It's just Saeed's on that, that, you know. He's on the train. He's on that Dagestani level. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Uh, next up in the middleweight division, we have Ikram Askalarov versus Warley Alves. Yeah, Warley Alves is obviously the vet in this one. You know what I mean? But uh, this is another one where they're, you know, Aliskarov, they're looking to get one of these young guys over or whatever. But I don't, you know. That's not exactly the guy to do it with. Warley Alves has been in there with wars. He's very crafty. You know, he doesn't yep. have the best record in the UFC, but still somebody you got to put some spec on his name. I think this is a first round. This is a first round finish for sure. Yeah. yeah. And next up we have, and this could be another first round finish in the light heavyweight division. We have our boy, Mega Mega Nankaleev versus Johnny Walker. Listen, what the <laughs> this is this is the first time I heard, I actually dropped an F bomb on. Yeah, this is I mean you're looking at number two, the number two light heavyweight in Ankalaev. What right? are they doing? Uh, with the number seven light heavyweight in Johnny Walker. What are they doing? It's they're setting up Johnny, a murder. It's because Johnny Walker is exciting to watch. And he's on a streak right now. Mm -hmm. 
right? Uh, I mean, so you can't deny that he's moving up in these ranks, but that's a big jump. Dude, that is a huge, should be a champion right now. Well, I mean, it's it's probably going to happen. I mean, because, you know, listen, they've just got some stuff to figure out at the top of that division, right? And, and yeah. And speaking – Speaking of a division that is stacked and the winner they've already said is taking on Sean Strickland for the middleweight championship. Holy crap. Two guys that have never fought in middleweight before. We have Kamara Usman versus Hamza Chemaev. Welterweight. They're fighting in middleweight. You sure about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm saying they're they're ranked welterweights. Oh, oh yeah. They're ranked welterweights. That's what I mean. They never fought in middleweight before. And the winner is going to get Sean Strickland. Listen, this is nuts. And this is a Kamaru Usman stepping in on what? 10 days notice. Yeah. 10 days. Yeah. Right. On short notice to go over there um, against a guy who has. Well, 10 better... days, hour notice. It's probably two weeks for Kamaru. sure. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. still, it's still not a full camp mm-hmm. and he's going up against a guy who, you know, arguably has better wrestling than Kamaru Usman does. This is if the listeners can't see my face right now, I am blown away. Now, who do you think is a better wrestler? Colby Covington, Hamzat Chemaev on points, or like who's Just gonna on paper? Who do you think is a better wrestler on paper? I think Colby has more stats, but I think Hamzat is a more of a monster. Now, think about that, and that's why you pick a guy like Kamaro Usman to take on. Kamzat Chemaev because he knows how to work with these guys that have so much pressure. Nobody has more pressure in that in that weight class in wrestling than Colby Covington. Until mm-hmm. you've got until you've got a Kamzat, and but he blitzes differently. It's, it's, he it's, blitzes from weird angles, not and, real. and he doesn't. He doesn't. He's not the traditional go through. You know, if 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 I'm if I'm I go for that double. If I miss the double, I go for that high single and the high crotch, and I turn the corner and I try to run the pipe to get them down. You go through three, four, five different you know uh, transitions to try to get that person to the ground. He blitzes you with four different techniques all at once. And just drags you into deep waters instantly. And before you know what's happening to you, you're like, what the hell? The other side of that is that Kamzat also has fantastic striking. And his, you know what I mean? His his numbers don't lie. He's good everywhere. He's good everywhere. This is a matchup that I I was when when I said this, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Why haven't we seen this yet? Can I can I lay out a theory and you tell me if I'm completely wrong or not? All right. I think Hamza is the future and if not the equal version of GSP, but with a killer's instinct that and GSP had a point win instinct. So GSP wanted to win. Hamza wants to kill. But when it comes to technique or technique itself and the way that they it's not even the way that they train. It's just the way that they they can fluctuate and change levels and are on a completely different level than anyone else that they're fighting. It seems like when they're in there with them, I would say he's GSP without the hesitation. Yeah. I can see where you would say that because of the wrestling and the everything and how it's such a wrestling heavy base. And he uses his punches to set up the wrestling and the wrestling to set up the punches once he's on the ground. And then the submission game is just like, like high level jujitsu black belt shit. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can see that. Let's hope, let's hope that Hamzat, 
once he uh, becomes champion, because he will be, he will be one day, he will be champion. It's just a matter of, you know, timing, I think, which is where we're at because it's not the, 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 the divisions and the entire sport are not what they were 15 years ago. No, not even Every, five years ago. Everybody's a killer. Yeah. It seems like, right. Yeah. So, but he will become champion. Let's just hope that he doesn't go down that same road the, that plagued GSP and everybody, you know, jumped all over him about, which was just being, oh, I'm not fighting to win. I'm fighting to not lose. Yes. Yes. Because we don't want to see that. What we want is we want to have killers out there. We want to have these guys, you know, performing at uh, almost beyond peak performances. I want GSP from the, his last fight. Speaking of middleweight divisions, welterweight going to middleweight, a GSP in his last fight against Michael Bisbing mm-hmm. was, is the way that if GSP fought his that way his entire career, I think he would have just he people would say he was the greatest of all time. They wouldn't have Fedor there. They wouldn't have Habib. They wouldn't have uh, certain guys, right? But um, and and to be honest, the best of all time is Demetrius Johnson. It's just people just don't like watching little guys fight. It's it's funny that you should say that because you know you you talk about. Um, those smaller guys, and that's what's headlining this pay-per-view. Great segue, wasn't it? Right. It's almost like you know what you were doing there or something, Brady. Hey, that's why I think you invited me onto this show. <laughs> and you're talking about a guy who could probably be put in that same category as one of the greatest of all times. Here we go. Um, you know, and you're talking about a guy who's coming in on short notice a champion in his own right in one Alexander, the great Volkanovsky stepping in for a, uh, an injured Charles Oliveira, where it was supposed to be a rematch between Charles Dubronx Oliveira against Islam Makachev um, in a fight where, I mean, listen, Oliveira got manhandled in that fight against Makachev. He lost that. If it wasn't a draw, he lost. And somehow he walked out with that belt. Now, I know what they say, that you got to have the champions win when you're in a decision like that. But sure. I think Volk did enough for those. I think he had three rounds at least. Oh, you're talking about the Volk and and, and Islam. And Islam, and Islam yeah, yeah. fight. Oh, I was still talking about the Charles Oliveira. Oh, I apologize. I, Charles, Charles Oliveira, Islam I'm Makachev horny fight. for the fight. Charles Oliveira got beat up in that fight there was oh, no yeah, doubt bad. that he lost that yeah. fight so the fact that we were having a a rematch a rematch of that fight was strictly done in my opinion just because there was nobody else ready to go um in that that made any sense well Oliveira being out the only other fight that makes sense is a rematch with the guy that took islam to task a guy that in myself yourself and many many others we all thought he won that fight in one Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. Um, now, Volkanovsky's coming in on short notice. So, you know, that could be a detriment. I don't think it is. And here's why, Brady. It's not. I don't think it is because I think that city kickboxing is pissed off right now. Ooh. I think that city kickboxing is, is with, with what happened to Izzy with the fact that uh, Kaikara France, uh, you know, wasn't able to fight on the last one, but still got involved with a, way too much drama and wasn't, you know, able to defend himself, basically, against Manel Kopp mm-hmm. and that whole thing at the presser. The fact that they did not do as well as they should have 
um, on that last outing in Australia as a team. Um, I think that they're mad. I think that they're angry. And I think that Eugene Bearman uh, is a fantastic coach who is going to be very, very good at rallying his troops, well, making sure that that doesn't fucking happen again. There's an empty spot on the trophy case since Izzy lost that belt to uh, one Sean Strickland. So they, I think they're going to try and, you know, fill that shelf. Now, what it comes down to, because we've all we've all seen this before. We've all seen where they've had, a, you know, a fight with two guys that, oh, it could have gone either way, you know, five rounds. And and what we're hoping for is we're hoping for round six through ten, you know what I mean, to be exactly the same. We're uh, getting it. Let's hope that we do, because chances are we won't. And I hate to disappoint everybody because that happens more often than not, where one guy makes the correct changes to fight and the other guy misinterprets what he should have done and doesn't. And it usually ends up being some kind of a blowout. I just really, 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 really want to see five rounds. I want to see five rounds again, please. Yeah, Islam's face at the very end of that fight when Volkanovski was throwing his last couple of haymakers, his face and they paused it. It became a meme. If uh, look it up, Islam versus Volk meme. I want to see that face again. He looked. He looked like he just walked out of a grave. Oh yeah, he was. He was petrified. He's like, I I almost just lost this fuck. Yeah, I'm dropping the f's again, but I almost lost this fight. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, fight. If you missed it before next week, go back. And watch that first fight between Volk and Makachev, and you'll see why we're so excited about this card next week, uh, UFC 294. Order it now. Take a look at it, because these cards are all going to change. A lot of things are going to change, and this brings me up to my next point, Brady, that I wanted to talk to you about, because with the UFC... With this card coming up, this wasn't the biggest news that came out of last week. It wasn't the biggest news where they had replacements in the co-main and the main event. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest news that came out of the UFC camp was the relationship that they have with USADA. For those of you that don't know, USADA is the collection uh, company for uh, the, the, the drug testing right? The United States um, Anti-Doping Association, as you were. Um, They're the ones responsible for when people have to take their piss tests. They're the ones responsible for, um, you know, handing those results over to the commission so the commission can figure out if they're going to penalize these persons for picograms or just blatant, you know, EPO like TJ Dillashaw. They are contracted by the UFC. And for the longest time, they've been, uh, for lack of a better term, I think they've been used as a scapegoat when things don't go the way that the promotion wants them to go because somebody is, quote, quote, dirty. I think that USADA has, you know, was always the, oh, well, USADA is knocking on people's door at five o'clock in the morning or whatever. And, 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 And I get it. Yeah, that sucks. But this is what you paid them to do. This is what you hired them and contracted them to do. So you sort of always had a bit of a bad taste in in fans' mouths, right, for the most part. And I think, don't quote me on this, but I think the fact that Conor McGregor coming back to fight in the UFC, I think that um, 
USADA was sticking their heels in the ground with no, he has to enter the pool and be in that pool for six months before he can fight because the rules are the rules and there is no Connor clause in the rules. Well, I think that that was kind of a straw that broke the camel's back when the UFC said, listen, we need him fighting sooner than that. Well, he can't fight sooner than that. Those are the rules. All right. Don't you have your contract with us coming up at the end of this year? Uh, yeah. Oh, it'd be a shame if something happened with that. What? Are you threatened? You know what? We're not going to renew our contract. Screw you guys. We're going home. And USADA has decided to take their ball and leave. Is this going to open up the door for the UFC, who happens to be owned by the same parent company uh, with, with Endeavor and has a, a partnership with the WWE? Will they be using a new wellness policy for their fighters? Well, they say they're going to have even more stringent testing. They say that they're bringing in, you know, uh, another company that handles that handles the um, the samples for NASCAR. Okay, <laughs> um, they handle the samples for the NBA, but guys that have been known to pop positive are still able it, to play. It's called Drug Free Sport International, and they basically handle everything from the NFL to the NCAA, Major League Baseball, NBA, WNBA, NASCAR, horse racing. Uh, PGA, FIFA, CrossFit, damn near everything. So it's not the WWE wellness policy per se, but I think it's kind of, you know, LeBron's on some shit. I don't know if anybody uh, knows that or not, but... Um, A lot of athletes are on some Everybody's on some shit, man. And that's fine. If you're going to be on it, be on it. Yeah, just have listen, it regulated. Listen, Gordon Ryan... Okay, fantastic uh, jujitsu practitioner. Some would say probably right now the best in the world. He's the best in the world yeah. at, at jujitsu and competitions. To the gills. Oh, signature pharmacy brand. Kid is on everything but rollerblades. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, listen, and and he says he says if if you're gonna do it, let everybody do it. Yeah. Right. Now, yeah. the only problem with that is that you and I both know that there's levels to what you can afford and what you can buy. Uh, listen, I might be there and you know that there's levels between the guys at the top of the card and the guys at the bottom of the card. Um, uh, just because we both work for the same company, I'm still driving to work in a Corolla while you're driving to work in a Lambo. You know, Alistair Overeem opened up his phone, seen that on Twitter and was like, Damn, I just retired two days no, ago. Oh, he's coming back. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be back. He'd be back, in a, he'd be back in a couple of weeks. So like just uh, re-entered training camp, uh, yeah. start January 1st. Now, the part that I found funny about this is the gentleman that they're bringing in, the gentleman that they're bringing in to head up this kind of stuff is a former CIA investigator. Mm -hmm. He is actually the guy who was one of the guys uh, responsible for investigating Saddam Hussein. We call him the magic bullet. I think that's I think that's weird. It's that totally weird. It's weird, right? Like you know what's even weirder? We haven't taken a sponsor break yet. 
There's just so much, man. And I'm excited. I'm excited to be doing this show with everybody. We're doing this once a week. We've got uh, we've got lots to talk about with you. Yeah. I'm assuming of over the next couple of months, even before it kicks into place here or before it you know, gets thrown out in January. We'll have lots to talk about heading into that. Let's take a break real quick and pay Let's some bills. And on our way back, we're going to touch base with Collision Catch-Up and find out what's going on in the world of AEW. TotalSportCards.com Canada's number one stop for WWE, AEW, UFC, NHL, NBA, and NFL hobby boxes. Total Sport Cards always delivers the most sought-after products with the best price points in the market that you can find. Keep your collection up to date with TotalSportCards.com. Welcome back to The Law, live audio wrestling. Now, we are going to touch base with our AEW experts from our lovely friends over at SMNERadio.com. They do collision catch-up every Sunday, and they cover pretty much a little bit of everything AEW. We're going to ask them three quick, hot questions. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the law. Matt and his lovely wife, Aaron the Grants. I just got to take a quick second to say, I used to listen to the show all the time. The fact that we're guests on the show now is the most mind-boggling thing, so thanks for having us. Yes, thank you very much. It's good to be here. It is our pleasure. Now, I'm going to ask you three crazy, crazy quick questions. I know you don't want to take up all your time. You won the title last night, Matt. If anybody wants to uh, check out what Matt does on the independent wrestling scene, check out Collision Catch-Up. He usually fills you in on that. You can follow him on socials. We'll plug that after. But three quick questions. Not going to take up all your time. First, I know you guys are huge fans. Is it surreal to see Edge, a.k.a. Adam Copeland, the rated R superstar, in AEW? Absolutely insane. Um, I know even from the time we got to see him at his final SmackDown match with WWE, and I truly thought that he was done. Uh, he is the wrestler who made me love wrestling. So I was just so, so excited just to see him that one time. And I kind of accepted that was going to be my one time. And I know Matt and many others were speculating he's going to show up at AEW. And I just simply didn't believe it. I refused to get my hopes up. So to actually see Adam Copeland on AEW is unreal, uh, especially because I got into wrestling late and I only was able to go back and watch clips of him and Christian together. And I'm ecstatic to see what happens with them. For me as a performer, like I literally have tribute gear to edge like that's how much adam copeland means to me as a performer and as an influence so to see him in literally my favorite promotion right now getting the full presentation his theme song uh the same gear everything he did in wwe is essentially transferred over to AEW is absolutely wild to me and then like he said the the roster that he has in front of him of guys that he's never worked with before guys that he hasn't worked with in years and he's got literally a plethora of guys just to choose from and be able to work with it's it's insane it's a wild time to be a wrestling fan now the second question i want to ask you it has a little bit to do with wwe but it kind of leads back into AEW, depending on what week you're listening to uh this episode on CM Punk, is he gone? Is he officially gone from AEW? Do you think he's coming back? Is he going to the WWE? What is going on with CM Punk? I have been the biggest CM Punk fan for a very long time. Um, as somebody who prides myself on my promos and uh, the ability to sell a match, I think CM Punk is somebody who is clearly that. However, um, 
I think, unfortunately, just the common denominator of all the issues that has, has gone on, including him, has been him. And I think if you're a business, especially a multi-million dollar business, it's hard to take that that plunge. It's hard to take that that chance on him at this point with the the track record that he's has. Um, I, I don't see him coming back to wrestling. And it's it's sad because there was so much left on the table, not even just in an AEW capacity, but you look all around and all the leftover matchups that we never are going to get to see. It's it's so disappointing, and it's literally one of the most heartbreaking situations in terms of a return ever in pro wrestling history. I'm pretty much going to second what you just said, uh, that phrase being common denominator. I've been kind of stuck on that, unfortunately, since uh, the first AEW backstage brawl, which is if, unfortunately, there's frequent drama involving one person, it does come down to that one person and more than likely causing it. So not to say he maybe caused every single issue, but he somehow was always there. So, uh, yeah, I I don't see him coming back into professional wrestling anytime soon. I, I do believe he's done. And I'm sure there was some justification for some of the issues that went down. And that's obviously hearsay. But um, the fact that, again, we're not going to get a chance to see another CM Punk professional wrestling match is a travesty in my eyes. Now, the next question really is only going to be a few words. Um, you'll know exactly what you'll know exactly what I mean after I say it. Tony Khan's Twitter. I I don't even know where to begin with this. Um, it's uh, for those who don't know, that's the owner. Yeah, that's the owner of AEW. It, it's crazy to me that some of the things that he has put out on social media, it, it just it attributes like you look at. Triple H, you look at Vince McMahon. Honestly, you look at any professional wrestling owner that isn't Tony Khan, and that they're not engaging with the the internet wrestling community, not at all. Never mind, not nearly as much as Tony Khan. And Tony's just like every chance he has, he's swinging. You know, <laughs> if you get the yeah the phrase I'm going for here, um, and he's just trying to tout himself as the biggest thing to happen in pro wrestling. And I think it's souring a lot of viewers on the product and rightfully so. I think it just goes a lot to speak for his maturity uh, in having such a big role in uh, the wrestling world as being the owner of this company and really one of the only competitors to WWE, which has always kind of been the top guy and to, to run his mouth the way that he is. And also, like you said, kind of engage online the way that he is. I I was doing a little bit of a deep dive earlier, just out of curiosity. And he's like seeking out the negative comments to respond with gifts that basically come down to, I don't care, which, you know, phrased a little bit differently, but, uh, if if you didn't care, you wouldn't be seeking the mountain, tweeting You're about it. You're basically vanity searching on Twitter to try and find stuff to like tweet back at, and just like as an owner, that should be the least of your concerns. Yeah, especially with all the the issues that have gone on backstage with an AEW over the last several months, you should be focused on getting your locker room in order and stay the heck off of social media. One hundred percent. 
All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for being a part of live audio wrestling. Um, now, Collision Catch-Up can be found on every major podcast provider. It can be found on uh, Facebook.com slash SMNE Radio, SMNERadio.com, or even Sunday night's main event on any podcast provider if you don't want to look up Collision Catch-Up. But um, where can they follow you if they want to follow you on social media? Real simple for me, man. I'm at Matthew Grant. First days at four. If you check me out, you can keep up with what I'm doing with the world of professional wrestling, whether it's being the Crossbody Internet Champion, one half of the HWE Tag Team Champion, champions i'm uh just getting out there as much as i can so come support the journey and uh you can find me on all social media at aaron 154 grant my social media is not nearly as exciting as my co-host but i do post from time to time Hey there, friends, listeners, and newcomers. This is Eric B., and I am the host of the Impactful Podcast. On the Impactful Podcast, we're going to break down everything Impact Wrestling each week. That includes everything that goes on in the background, everything that happens on TV, and everything that you're hearing on the news and social media. So please join me each week and live life impactfully. And that was Collision Catch-Up over on SMNE Radio. You can check them out on Facebook.com slash SMNE Radio or Sunday Night's Main Event.com or any podcast provider, Sunday Night's Main Event for Collision Catch-Up and all AEW coverage. Now, Chris, we've got a pretty cool interview coming up. We absolutely do. I know you sat down with an old friend. Well, an old friend and a great colleague and just an overall cool kind of a guy. I wouldn't say he's a cool guy as much as I would say he's a cool cat. I would say he's got like a lot of like uh, he's got Issues. some of that. Oh, oh no, he's got that uh, empty nest mystique about him. Well, I mean, some can have that, some cannot. I mean, he is. If I w- if he was a girl, he would be golden. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about that. Right? Now, and if he was a if he was an entrepreneur, he would buy a hotel with his girls. <laughs> uh, well, because you never want to have an empty nest. Now that's no a reference. About. That is a reference that only the oldies are going to get. Absolutely. So we had the pleasure of sitting down. Uh, we sat down with the host of AEW, as seen on the AEW uh, show. And one of, listen, it is one of my favorite segments. One of my favorite things to see outside of uh, the the in ring performance. Of some of these guys, I think that it is so well done. I think that it's so smart. Uh, and I think that this guy um, does fantastic work. And uh, he has done a very good job of fooling everybody, myself included. But uh, yeah, let's go to this right now. I had a chance to sit down with one Mr. RJ City. Let's see how that goes. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but the excitement that I have when I get to talk to a guy like this is unmeasurable. Um, immeasurable. I'm not even Imme- immeasurable. Im- immeasurable. Un? No, no, I can't Im- measure it. I can't. No, I can't sure. do it. 
I can't. Somebody get this guy a ruler. <laughs> Please continue. I'm sorry. Oh, and as you can see, he's always in character, always interrupting, always uh, a consummate pro professional, though. Ladies and gentlemen, joining me now, one mister from AEW Wrestling and just life in general, a beautiful human being with an even more beautiful soul, RJ Sippy. How you doing, my friend? Thank you. That's very sweet. That's that sounded very lifetime achievement award at the end. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much you, know? you got left in you, so I want to get it out there now. <laughs> yeah, when you say beautiful cell, it also reads as like he's gonna die soon. <laughs> I want to know that we can clip this later. Yes, uh, it can be used in the memoriam. By the way, <laughs> Carol Burnett has had so many lifetime achievement awards that they're just honoring the previous honors now. Is, uh, why wasn't she cloned? If anything, right? Well, she was Vicky Lawrence. Okay, well, fair enough. <laughs> I guess it didn't take. Not all the genes transfer over. So that's going to bring me to my first question. <laughs> and you and I go back far enough, right? Yes. And this, this, you are not as old as I am. No, no. But in many is. ways, I'm older than you. <laughs> and this is what I'm saying. How did this come about? Was this something like you grew up at home? Your mother was watching this kind of programming and you were just, you know, she glued you to the floor and there it was. Or did you find your own love for shows that were clearly uh, a genre of life, so to speak, that was clearly before you were? Yes. Well, yeah, I would, I would blame my grandmother. I was like a sociological experiment. Like, what if we just put all Jerry Lewis and Abbott and Costello and like, let's just see what happens. I mean, it could but have been I was, worse. It could have been so much worse. It was always presented to me, though, as like, this is the funniest thing you will ever see. Right. So I wasn't like I rejected it. I was like, wow, she's right. And right. then I would go to school and go, how about that Stan Laurel, everybody? And it wouldn't I would get nothing, nothing back. And I got very <laughs> confused. So I got, you know, you hang out with the teachers. Basically. When everybody's when everybody's talking Ren and Stimpy and like, yes. you know, Nickelodeon at night and you're bringing up, you know, the Apple Dumpling Gang. Yeah. Don't you see that they're doing uh, the Susquehanna Hat Company, <laughs> Ren and Stimpy? This is a parody, guys. Right. Uh, but I feel like you and I enjoy that I'm able to talk to somebody like you who I've known for a very long time now mm -hmm. that you can at least attest that I've always been this way. 100%. This is like, ladies and gentlemen, this is not this is not some new gimmick that, you know, RJ's come up with to get him on TV or anything like that. This is this is your life. And 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 yeah. I'll I'll be the first to say when we, you know, first met and started like hanging out and traveling and being on wrestling shows together, I was like, what the fuck is this gimmick that this kid is doing? Like this is it's wacky. It's weird. I don't quite get it yet, but then I, you know, you you come to realize that it's it's natural it's re like this is your soul this is yeah. who you are right yeah and and i can understand it i can understand it now because i also like i grew up watching those shows not as young as you it wasn't you know because also raised by my grandparents you know and and you sit down you watch that programming now some of yeah. that other programming was things like you know the benny hill show and and like roller derby and a and, and awa wrestling and you know what i mean and a lot of country music stuff but you're right as far as the comedy factor goes i don't think that they did uh, what have they done since like the carol burnett show you know harvey corman and tim lawrence are like uh, come on yeah no, I, I well, I do get upset when the highlights nowadays are just them laughing, <laughs> right? Like, 
It's, it's like, where's the, okay, where's the, other, where's the stuff they got through? They did seasons and seasons. Stop playing the stop playing the elephant clip. We're fine, right? But you are, I, I feel like, a deceptive show business baby. You don't present like Mickey Rooney, you know. No. No, and then I, I feel like I was kind of to certain people, I'm like a dog whistle, but the good kind, 100%. not the racism kind. I say Lawrence Welk, and certain people go, "What did you say?" Yeah, you know, yeah, because I didn't think anybody watched Lawrence Welk. <laughs> Right. Like even when I was watching and, and would see it on there and it was almost like, you know, for me at that age, it was like train wreck TV is like, what is this? But why can't I turn the channel on it? Right. You know what I mean? Yes. But I mean, you Carol Burnett show, you know, things like that was like that was fantastic. That yeah. was, you know, and then so you bring up, obviously, you know, the the good dog whistle kind, <laughs> not the bad kind. But a lot of these people, let's talk Don Knotts. Let's. Let's get let's into it, RJ. talk Don Knotts. And speaking of dog whistles, me and Jeff Jarrett have mm -hmm. bonded hard over Don Knotts. Really? A real Don Knotts. When he when he did an episode of, of Hey EW, we stumbled onto a Don Knotts thing. And he just launched into, like, uh, and then afterwards, it's like, hey, buddy. You know Don Knotts? Yeah, I know him too. And I just gave him a pack of the Andy Griffith Show trading cards that a fan sent me. I said, he will enjoy it. Let's talk about Don Knotts. This is, this is one of my theories, and he is a good representative of the old show business mm -hmm. in that, and similar with the old wrestling, because I guess we have to talk about wrestling, so that seems to be the show. Um, they're distinct characters right. in how they speak, in how they look. And how they act like you can do Don Knotts and Don Knotts. There's, there's no one else like Don Knotts, but I, I don't think you can do. I don't know. A Ben Affleck. Right. 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 Yeah, yeah, so yeah. There's something about him where it's just like, wow, it is this kind of clown human being. And he would, to be fair, play the exact same character in every single thing. But I mean, you knew what you were getting with Don Knotts, though. Like, yes. you, you weren't you weren't it wasn't it wasn't the chops. You were getting the expressions. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You were getting those eyes. One hundred percent. It was the same, like Marty Feldman. You knew what you were getting when you were booking a Marty Feldman guy. You knew what you right. were getting when, you know, you, you book these guys. So but with Don, with Don, it was like for me anyways, it was wasn't so much the Andy Griffith show. It was the series of all the stuff that he did. It seemed like every Sunday night, right? Every Sunday night as a kid, eight o'clock at night, you know, uh, for, for us anyways, you'd, you'd see the castle come up and on mm. the TV and the, and the music and the stars and little Tinkerbell there. And it was time for Disney Sunday night movie. And it was always something. It was the apple dumpling gang. It was Herbie, the love bug. Yeah. It was, you know, some Mr. Chicken stuff. It was always so Don Knotts was like that staple. He was the Sunday night guy. Yes. And, like, but, and you right? would also go like, like, why did you even bother to give him a fake name in this? I don't. <laughs> what <laughs> are we doing gone. here? You yeah. could have just gone with Don Knotts. Yeah. I mean, listen, you're one to talk about fake names. I got plenty of them. <laughs> <laughs> But and Don not, and I've done my research and I went to his hometown. Okay. That's, that, that's that stalker is, shit, dude. Yes. But <laughs> I will say that's always the best part about indie wrestling and then getting to travel with AW is like, oh, I'm never going to go to Morgantown, West Virginia again. <laughs> right. His father was bipolar. I think his mother died young or left, would chase Don around with a knife. So, horribly unpleasant childhood. 
And then um, uh, he had a ventriloquist act. That's how he escaped. And then he started performing in the local Morgantown Theater, of which there are two statues and a plaque. That's how much is going on in Morgantown, that there's two Don Knotts statues. He's, he's pretty much their Avril Lavigne. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Right. So did, was there any kind did you find out any kind of new revelation while you were there? Is no. there the, nothing? It's just like, this is our guy and we don't really care. It's a college town now. So there's oh. all these like stoners walking the streets and they all have coffees. And I'm just I'm standing in front of the statue going, guys, guys, what <laughs> do, do you see what this is? Do you understand what ground you're walking on? And they have they haven't got a clue. They're like, no. yeah, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, guy from the from the sheriff show with no black yeah. people on it. Yes. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yes, which, you know, whatever. Andy made some talk about a dog whistle. Um, but also on my list, and I haven't done it yet, there's a Lawrence Welk Museum in, okay. I think, Northern California, which we're going soon. And I don't... He had a chain of resorts. He has golf courses, resorts. They're called the Welk Resorts. I had no idea. So this is the sickness. You remember stuff. Mm -hmm. I continue to actively seek it out and i think that's the difference what is is welk the biggest one on your on your bucket list or who for is? me yeah because that's okay. a guy like ed sullivan who should never have been on television and yeah, well that is that is for sure yeah. yeah you know what i mean that would have been like pretty much the equivalent of putting like um al yankovic senior Mm -hmm. on television you yes. know what i mean it was like yes. yeah i get it you're you're very popular you've you've got a niche or whatever but why why am i looking at this on my tv right, right. Yeah, nothing not handsome does not speak well not particularly funny or endearing ran a tight ship hey. they all ended up it's all very mormonish they all ended <laughs> up marrying each other and you know who's banging the clarinet player this week i'm sure there was a lot of drama I can only imagine the late night after parties on set. With yes, everybody. they probably lasted well until 9.30 p.m. Just just orgies galore. Well, they were younger then, RJ. You got to remember. It was so, a swing know. in time. Right? But it was pre-cocaine, so who knows how they were getting on. Right. Probably I'm sorry. Alcohol, I only have one in me. Alcohol, alcohol, and cigarettes. and Yes. Well, it was <laughs> the champagne music makers. Unbelievable. You know? Space. So why is it that you think that they don't what has changed? What changed in society that they don't make these kind of characters? They don't make these kind of shows anymore. Um, I, I just speaking entertainment wise, things got a lot more specific. Okay. You know, people don't have to be broad anymore. If you like a very specific wrestling comedy, you can watch me <laughs> and I will just provide that for you. You know what I mean? So it's not like the family is sitting around the TV. Having I mean, to even, watch this, but I'm even from a from an artist point of view, mm -hmm. you know, people that are out there honing their crafts now. I mean, I, in my, I think probably the last person that really embodied that kind of like over the top wacky kind of character might have been a very good friend of yours, Paul Rubens. Yes, and and because I was just gonna say. You know, the modern versions are like a Larry the Cable Guy, where it just kind of feels like a gimmick. And you're like, okay. But a Paul Rubens, and I would maybe also say like a Borat, right. are probably the only few who said, I'm going to play this character beyond the screen. You know, right. 
I'm going to do it in real life. And I think that's why Paul, Paul was friends with a lot of wrestlers. He went to FCW for a little bit to hang out and whatever. And I, he was on Raw and WrestleMania and whatever. But he, like, got it, yeah. you know? Yeah. What if I just play this character all the time? And and it is an odd choice because mm-hmm. it is a weird character to play. But, you know, that, that prime Pee-wee run, you can't find, you know, any non-Pee-wee stuff. Once right. it starts, he's there. Like every personal appearance is is Pee Wee, which must have been exhausting. It, it's it's not. I wonder. I wonder if Don Knotts was a fan of wrestling because there's no surprise. Mm-hmm. You got Don Knotts should have been a fan of wrestling. Andy Kaufman very much on that line of living that character outside of it. Obvious fan of wrestling. Paul Rubens, Pee Wee, fan of wrestling. RJ, I'm going to throw out. Are this you still theory. a fan of wrestling? Oh boy, <laughs> let me throw out this theory first because you're saying right. Andy Kaufman. I feel like you'll appreciate this. Tony Clifton mm-hmm. seems to be heavily inspired by luscious Johnny Valiant. I can, yeah, I can see that. Go back and watch the promos. Andy was at Madison Square Garden at that time. And I'm like, whoa, this is just, he looks the same other than blonde to black. And I'm just like, this is the same guy. Right. Um, but do I still like wrestling? I, at many times, and I think you know this during my indie journey, there are many times where I grew very frustrated with what was available. Right. And I had to will myself to find the things I did enjoy about wrestling. Okay. You know, and I think that's important because obviously, you know, you've seen the Twilight Zone episode of really be careful what you wish for wrestling wise, mm-hmm. because people end up getting it all and just absolutely hating it. And then I go, well, and I I did feel that way. As I got closer to some stuff, I was like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. This is not as creatively fulfilling as I thought. And then I went, well, I could also just do my own stuff, you know, which which you, no one was doing my brand of stuff because it's, it's you know, not very good. And, 80, and it's also 80 years old. Right. Luckily, all the people <laughs> that would have done it are dead. Right. You're doing coffee in the morning, which is a perfect time because they're having lunch. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so do you think, so, yeah. okay, do you think it is that it was a problem because like promoters and, and they just didn't get it and they didn't know how to book you? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And so they just I, like add, do your thing. Yes. Which was great. But I also understand that, especially at a certain point, why I was difficult to book well. Because what I started doing was a parody of the wrestling. Mm-hmm. So now I'm making fun of what's already on the show. And and I don't think, you know, sometimes they would put me on first and I'd say, what are you doing? I have to be on third. They have to see the wrestling first before they can see the person <laughs> who makes fun. Like, Who's you know, shit on I, it. Yeah. right. Like I never <laughs> wanted to fight. I didn't want to get involved. I right. thought I was above it. So you can't, uh, you have to see the constant first before you see the variable, you know? But then that was too heady. And I was just like, okay, you know, whatever works. But if you don't, if you don't have a folly to work with, you're almost stuck with it, you know, with your own fucking devices there trying to go out and create something from scratch that's unique instead of just like, okay, we're on the road for 14 days straight in a different city every night. And I'm just going to do the same exact thing on everything. Like you're clearly an artist. So you clearly have an, I, 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 I know, sorry, you could, sorry, let me say that again. 
air quotes artist. Thank you. <laughs> so you have an idea of what you want to present as your art, right? So that's got to be the toughest thing when you're like, ah, I've got nothing to bounce off of anybody with this without coming across like you're just shitting on them. Yes. Because most people, most people, first of all, they're all too young to fucking understand what it is that you're doing. Right. And they're not of that mindset that they're able to play that improv game mm -hmm. in the world of professional wrestling at, and not at the fucking indie level. No, which right. which was fun because I would do stuff. I, there was a lot of times when I wouldn't have a clear idea of what I wanted to do. Right. I thought, well, I've never seen this done before, so let's try it and see what happens. And then that gets into dangerous territory because you can't you have no precedent. You know what I mean? You can't say I'm. We're gonna do a musical number during the middle of the match, and and I don't know what to tell you afterwards. They may <laughs> cheer, they may boo. I have no idea. Just please make sure the audio works. Right. You know, right. I did a death match with Gregory Iron, where it was, I mean, it was a parody death match, but we both died at the end. Isn't that the point? Uh, right. So, and that was the other thing too, is that I had to be really careful because there are a lot of people like you. But there were older people who I felt like if I did this incorrectly, I would rub the wrong way. Right. You know, and I didn't want to go, this is stupid, as much as I wanted to say, what are we doing here? Right. And I mean that in a healthy, fun way. I don't I didn't mean it as a please leave. I just meant it as just take a look around you. All of this seems very strange. But there were things that were strange that people would always ignore. And a really good example is, and we wrestled in this building. In Barry, Barry Wrestling, mm -hmm. they do it at this church, right. and there is a it's a at a gym in the church, but there is a giant crucifix on the wall, and yep. no one like we set up this whole show and we're running the show, and like no one's pointing this out. No, like I think I need to say something. <laughs> the fact that there's a giant crucifix on that wall, and they had both you and I. <laughs> in that building to represent yes. professional wrestling to those people was, yeah. I mean, that's a testament of, you know, ah, pun intended. <laughs> really nice. Really nice. You stuff. Like You've still got your fastball. <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen, it's no, it's no surprise that inside of the world of professional wrestling, the, the overabundance of irony mm -hmm. is, is always, and has always been there, but you're right. A lot of people don't, don't choose to acknowledge it. Yeah, was put on blinders and it's like this is what i do i go out there and i'm i'm a tough guy and i i do an international and i have a finisher and i punch and that's it you know yeah. what i mean the, the 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 character stuff is very few and far between right like you have a you know a danhausen out there sure clearly a character driven i'm sure you're familiar with that individual yeah and i had to wrestle him you know pre-danhausen when he was just a guy, nice guy, and you yeah. got to figure it out. I mean, there's no, I mean, some people are are lucky and within their first year in the business or whatever, but there's other people. And a, a perfect example is Tony Storm. Right. Who, and I feel like you've seen enough people's journeys that like there's this, this weird recipe where you finally stop caring. Mm -hmm. And I guess stop caring about people liking you. You know what I mean? You stop caring about other people's opinions. You're like, I'm going to do this because it's coming from me and it's hitting with me. And then all of a sudden people are like, we like this. You were a wild stallion. <laughs> yes, I was. 
<laughs> it was in an let's... 80s tag. Let, yeah, let's go back to the beginning yeah. of the journey. <laughs> Can we? <laughs> yes. Um, that was an idea given to me by Ruffy Silverstein, mm -hmm. who, who trained me. And it was, my partner was Joey Valentine, who was, honest to God, like, loved the 80s, loved Bon Jovi and the straw cowboy hat, ripped jeans, pickup truck deal. Loved it. I did not. But he was older than me, and I thought, okay, we'll make the best of this. Like, this is a fun thing to do. And it was in that surface level opening match kind of deal. Right. Uh, but, you know, not remotely fused with my own personality. You know? Really? And, you weren't a big Bill and Ted's excellent hate, adventure fucking guy? I hate that stuff. Like, not even in a nostalgic <laughs> sense. I'm just like, this isn't very good. Right. You know, I'm just like, no. it just doesn't hit with me and whatever. It's yeah. fine. And then, yes, slowly but surely. And a lot of times it comes from from just just being an idiot backstage and singing. And I distinctly remember singing some sort of Sinatra, whatever, backstage or playing the piano. I feel like there was one show. Yeah. Do you remember this? We were all waiting yeah. for our pay for hours and hours. And the guy did the old of going to the bank yeah. and probably went to New Jersey or something. <laughs> And there was a piano backstage and we uh, we played and sang. And I think Crazy Steve was there and a bunch of weird people. But that's where people, you know, learn about each other. Right. You know, and then that comes out and it's like, well, this if this is over back here, why don't we just do it out there? Like, why are we doing the stuff we hate publicly? What if we just do the stuff we like? But you know as well as I do, 90% of anything in indie wrestling is just to pop the boys in the back anyway. So as long as they like what you're doing, you think yeah. that this is, uh, I'm on to something here. Yes, yes. Right? And I also think, and even when you're not happy, I will br also bring this up again. I had my WWE tryout, much maligned for various reasons. Mm -hmm. And then I remember like the first show back was like, uh, uh, we were in Kitchener. And I remember doing a promo in the cold and this guy was uh, running his next show on WrestleMania Sunday. And I remember thinking, this is a horrible, I don't even want to be here. Why would anyone want to come to this? You know, in Kitchener. Wasn't like WrestleMania weekend was in Kitchener. Right. And then I just cut a promo about it. And I was like, ah, and then it, that all came out. And I went, well, this is great. Every time I have a grievance, I can just turn it into something. Gee, I seem to have a lot of grievances. <laughs> So Nug, you you know Nug, Nug Nargang. Yep, absolutely. Wonderful, yep. was on the aftermath and all this stuff. And he said, uh, the best thing about me is that people think it's an act. And that's what we were saying at the beginning of all of this. Yeah. You know, is that so many people, and I can attest to it, it is not an act. <laughs> RJ is very, very genuine in what you see, uh, is, is what you get, as weird <laughs> and quirky and 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 not today's norm as it might be, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I I sat there in a passenger seat of a car while you drove one time, watching you eat a fucking green pepper raw, like it was the set of the Iron Chef or some bullshit. Yeah, and I'm like, it just doesn't stop with this fucking no, kid. <laughs> it was not. A, I thank you for reminding me. I used to eat those so much. They're a tremendous hand vegetable. They have a handle on them. I don't uh -huh. be serious. I needed something to bring with me. But the most, to, yeah. but you pick the most bitter, 
of pepper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It could have, could have been an orange one, could have been a yeah. red one, even no. a yellow one. You're like, now nah, this fucking green thing that's only good in sauces. Yeah. I'm just going to gnaw on this for an hour. <laughs> it, it was the most character building vegetable I could find. <laughs> right? Yes. Uh, um, but yeah, I don't, I, it, it was, it's great. It's great to be, you know, you look back on it now and you go, oh, it's great to be frustrated. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, isn't that the that's the the artist fucking thing? You know, you have to go through the turmoil to come out the other side. Yes. And, but and I you learned, kind of find yourself. Right. But I also think this is important is to to make sure to not do it angry. Right. This is something that angers me. I'm going to turn it into something good. But I feel like when you do it angrily or really with with bitterness, it just doesn't come out well. Well, it comes across it comes across as angry. It comes across as hurtful and it yeah. comes across as non non genuine. And you can you can have you can still have that be belief and that thought on it. But if you can bring it across in a comedic tone, not even like you're telling, you know, yuck, yuck, fucking dad jokes about the situation, but but add a comedic tone and twist to it, people are going to be a lot more accepting to what it, to the message that you're trying to get across, right? Yes, yes. Like I remember some promos. I go, oh, I was upset about what you know, whatever it was, and I'm like, that was I should have maybe put that to the side, <laughs> you know, and just let it come out. And you know, when I do AEW, it's like a, it's sometimes a dangerous territory. Even though everybody has been great, it's something that if I'm not careful with it, I can totally go off the rails. So when I'm making fun of people or I'm commenting on certain things, I have to make sure it really comes from the best place possible. And I go, where where is the joke here exactly? So no one can get completely mad at me. Just it's, a little mad at me. It's almost it almost comes across like a wrestler's a wrestling show version of like a between two ferns. Yeah. And Although there's a little more, you know, I don't know. There is an interview there. Right. Somewhere. somewhere I do end up doing a really deep dive mm -hmm. into research and learning about people, which is fantastic. I wrote one for Jerry Lynn and I learned so much. He was the uh, last challenger for the AWA championship. Really? Yeah. And that just is that's like now all I want to talk about, you yeah. know? Yeah. So that's that's always the great stuff to get like him or Jeff Jarrett or Jake Roberts. And you're like. I've been wanting to ask these questions for a very long time. Well, it's kind of a way for you to, you know, revisit those questions that you came up with when you were a child. Yeah. And then be able to ask them again. You know what I mean? And, I, and I'm, I'm with you on that. I grew up an AWA guy. And, you know, living in Las Vegas, I got to go to the showboat. God you know, bless. when they would do those, do those tapings at the showboat hotel, right? And casino. And that was like, to me... That was my that was my Saturdays. That was fantastic, right? And that was where my love for wrestling came in. Everybody asked that question: Who was the guy that influenced you most when you got into wrestling? And it seems I don't know what it is. I don't know why Snooka's name is always the guy that came up, but he was one of these generational dudes that it was like this generation of wrestler was like Snooka. This generation was Snooka. Yeah, it's like unbelievable. You're at a point now where you are doing, you know, it almost seems like the the perfect wrestling show spot for you. Right. Well, and it's, this is a small point of pride is that this is a job that is mine. Right. Only for me. It was yeah. only given to me for me, which is like fantastic. Yeah. They're not bringing in somebody to replace, you know, RJ city on, Hey, um, a, you know, 
You know, yeah. you're what, that, that's not happening. Right. Uh, this was, did you build this from scratch? Did they come up with an idea and you guys kind of ran with it? So I did, I worked for WWE for a year and a half and I was firmly in the do whatever you want territory, which is, was great. And then after that, I felt like pandemic was ending. I thought, ah, I got to go back to the Indies and I don't know, what am I doing here? And I was working on a bunch of TV stuff. And then I tweeted something about a, a thing that I pitched to WWE and Tony Khan immediately DM'd me. And he's like, are you not with WWE anymore? I'm like, no, I'm good. Like, he was like, oh, I loved all your, and he quoted some, I mean, the he is, his brain capacity is insane that he quoted back to me some random Seinfeld wrestling bit I did that I had forgotten. It was just like amazing. And it turned out he, he, watched my stuff for a while and then he was like do you want to just come do uh, you know the, this driver thing which is i pitched sitting in the car with the wrestlers and do you want to do like sit down interviews and then we went back and forth in the dms with with jokes already when i said oh we could do billy gunn you know tell me how you got your start in the rodeo so he knew exactly what he was getting right to bring me in and say let him do this and then it was like this field of dreams where Oh, the first guy I talked to is Sanjay Dutt, who has always tried to get me a job everywhere he worked, always believed in me, even before he knew me. And then Kevin Sullivan, not the wrestler, the editor, director, mm -hmm. did all the Attitude Era stuff. And he was at Impact for a while. So he knew my stuff from Impact. And it was just like, it became like this traveling Wilburys little super group. You know what I mean? And it was just like, oh, and it's like, oh, this was worth the wait. You know what I mean? Do you, do, so where's the ceiling? Where's the ceiling now? In wrestling in general? Uh, no. <laughs> Violence, aggression. <laughs> where is you know the what ceiling? I mean? Like, yeah. like you're, you're at a point now. Yeah. Where do you, where do you go with this? Uh, I, you know? I, I don't know. I've never known. I've never had a plan other than let's do the, let's make the thing I'm doing the best possible you know it is at that time i hate going i'm gonna do this to like springboard over to this it makes me feel like i'm using it and i don't like it and i wanna we've done 71 episodes of hey now which is like crazy to me because i thought maybe we'll get 10 out you know and we still definitely have more to go so i want to just get the most out of that that i can i'm doing a lot more than that uh with aw Mm -hmm. And and then the the odd blessing that was Renee came in into my life, who mm -hmm. I had known a little bit because she was from Toronto and was part of the comedy scene before me. And she was like the generation before me. Right. So she had and Nug was the common connection between us because he worked on, on Aftermath. And then we just got on screen and it was everyone's like, we love this. And you're like, oh. Okay, and now we're we're hosting the pre-show of every pay-per-view and we do the pre-shows before Dynamite. And then, you know, we're always pitching stuff. They always want to do stuff. And so I'm sure something should come from that. We, we constantly pitch dinner and a match on TBS. It's, I feel like it's either going to be it's going to be a program you know, yeah. for, for you two yeah. or, or it's going to come out somehow that, you know, now you can dispel this rumor if you want. Yes. But rumor has it that yeah. you've actually 
um, you were the one that hired a Mexican to take out John Moxley so that you could get closer to Renee. I have no no problems with John Moxley. I just found out last week that they were even married. And you know, we're we're aunts. We're wrestle aunts. She's she's my sure. sister. We are two wine drunk aunts. Does she uh, hold the same kind of love for Golden Girls as you do? You know what? So that's that's a little bit of misinformation. Is that my at my core, I think I'm a mod man. Okay, fair. You know, I and I can appreciate that because I it goes back that that yeah. was the day of all spinoffs. You right. know, everything was a, everything was a spinoff of all on the family. It seems. Yes. Like. Yeah. <laughs> and all <laughs> the family was so. I get, look, we're getting sidetracked now, but God, that show got very bad. Dude. So, oh. like when he owned a bar. Oh yeah. Uh, like let's um, not even get into what was it? Archie's know, bunkers, place. Uh, Archie's place or yeah. Bunker's place or whatever it was. Yeah. Like it was like oh my god horrible yeah. why did we and, have to wait for happy days to the for the jump the shark fucking <laughs> statement you know what i mean that happened yeah. to so many shows prior really <laughs> um no but yeah renee has been it, it's been so weird and strange that like this works and i she's so consistently professional and i'm so often not that it was just a really nice match you have know? they had to pull you aside have they had to pull you aside yet no, I because they knew I think the reluctance was to ever pull, put me on camera, because once you put me on, you know what you're getting. Right. You know, that's, I think, consistently. But you I have to think Tony, way. Tony was already a fan. He knew who right. you were. Yeah. Like he knew what he was getting. He knew what he was hiring. He wasn't hiring somebody to make a run at the fucking heavyweight title. He was right. hiring, you know, you to come in and be you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how Taz feels about that. You know, there's other people that you would have to work with. But, um, but I think that, but Taz, Taz, Taz adds something different. He adds the, the point of like a guy who was inside of the ring, you know, for, and made a huge name for himself. You didn't have that luxury. No, you know what I, you know what I mean? And I don't mean this like as a diggering like that. Yeah. You just, you just didn't sure. your, your, your whole thing was not as, you know, fucking taz coming down with a towel on his head and having that ecw hey, this kind is not of a time for dog whistles <laughs> that ecw kind of company that you know what i mean yes. showcased you like that R rj was always uh, has always been a guy that you're like you you know about him but he's not a central focus in any one company right so you didn't have that longevity you know what i mean that yes that, i had so no taz name comes, to build off of taz comes into it with like you know that kind of uh angle on yes. call on calling stuff. Yes. Right. Whereas, I mean, you are a showman. You have been, you know, it's almost like you should have your own talk show. Yeah. And, and I mean, I do in that in this, you know, Hey, W is certainly that. And especially in the sense that like, it's entirely me. Right. Uh, do you remember, you remember cat power, the wonderful indie wrestler? Yes. Yes. Okay. She actually just, just messaged me. She said, Oh, all this stuff is great. Do you do it yourself? Or do you have a writing team? And I was like, writing team. This is entirely me. Everything, every joke I take full responsibility for, unfortunately. And then to AW's credit, they've never looked at my notes. I, it's crazy that I just, they're like, yeah, sure. Whatever you want. You know, here's the Hardys. And, you know, you have a Walt Whitman reference. Okay, whatever. But but you get it. You know what I mean? This, right. is, this It's kind of like the equivalent of, of 
a very good friend of ours. Yes. Um, you know, Daryl Sharma, right? Mm-hmm. Who who comes from the world of of started off in wrestling as an in-ring performer or whatever, and then transitioned into becoming a referee. And he will have a career much longer as a referee than being an in-ring performer as a wrestler. Sure. Right. Yes. Yeah. Same kind of same kind of concept for you. You know what I mean? Is that you have the ability now to take that angle and have a much, much longer career doing stuff like this. Sure. And I did. But you're respectful. You're respectful to the wrestlers. You know what I mean? Instead of just going at them like a between two ferns, Zach. You know what I mean? Yes. Because you understand the nuances of how the wrestling business works. Right. You know, and and I also knew just show wise doing it once a week for 70 weeks, it will get old quick if I play the same note. Right. You know, and and especially playing the same note with different people. You know, there's sometimes I'm faster, sometimes I'm slower, sometimes I'm friends with them. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes there's an inexplicable tension in the air. Uh, But yes, and I do. I've had to have like the discipline and my own guidelines so people can trust me being left alone. Who have you had to apologize to after? Oh, my. You know, I usually just apologize up front. <laughs> and I go, this will be the worst interview you've, you've ever had. Sure. You know, but, I, but I, I'm sure that everybody's like, oh, yeah, sure. No problem. That's going to yes. be like, yeah, ha ha. I yeah. get what you're doing here. But I mean, like and then afterwards, they're still looking at you going, you were right. I yes. fucking hate you. Yes. Well, <laughs> I, I also think my saving grace is that I do do the research. And that's why I think people like Arn Anderson and Jim Ross, I think back off completely turning on me because I took this seriously enough uh, that I did all the work. The information is correct, but I'm not really asking the questions that you would want me to ask. And they're old enough to understand, you know, they, they watched Carol Burnett and they know who Don Knotts is and they know who Lawrence Welk is. So they understand the, the mindset that you're kind of coming into this. Right. And Arn Anderson, God bless him. And he really should talk about this on his podcast. had no idea. It was like the 10th episode we did and he's a business guy, you know, whatever the company needs is whatever I'll do. So I think somebody told him, Hey, you want to just do this interview? And he's like, sure. And months and months later, he told me, he thought he was going to, it was like a CNN thing. Like he had no idea what it was going to be. And then, <laughs> and, but then, and that's the other thing is that we, we don't talk beforehand. Like the schedule is really busy. It's usually like in the morning before dynamite, get in, get it done. It's all one take. And then like, let's get out of there. Cause we have to move on to, to the next thing. So we have no time to, you know, really rehearse or script or just like really, really hope for the best. Yet. I also feel like with, with older guys who do not wrestle anymore, like Jake, like Arn, there is a little bit of the old, let's call it in the ring magic. And I feel like it's satisfying for them in a way that they haven't been able to do for a while. Right. You know? And people yeah. don't know Arn Anderson is that funny until you see him without a net being just genuinely funny. And there's gotta be at some point, just like with a, with a wrestling match, you know what I mean? You, 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 you make eye contact and you're either you're either oh you get it you understand what we're doing here in a match even same thing's got to work in comedy and you know what I mean doing what you're doing yeah especially in the improv life you know yes. what I mean and and have you ever have you ever had to look across and just be like 
oh, you're just you're just looking at me for the sake of looking at me. <laughs> well, you know, I always I also respect all the wrestlers in the sense that this is the hardest part of my day. But it's probably the easiest part of their day because right. they have a bunch more stuff to do. So I'm like, let me like it's a show that I made where they can phone it in if they need to. If they're having the worst day, they can just coast. And I will just bounce the punchlines off of you. And you don't even have to say a word, really. <laughs> but I always end up getting them, you know, much better than that. But right. I, I never want to say to them, and now you be funny. That's just like a horrible thing. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, even when they, I'm always doing the calculations in my head of like, what do we do next? But more often than not, Arn Anderson's a perfect example. You know, I had all these jokes and things written down. And then we ended up arguing over the pronunciation of mauve and like, what a gift that these two people should not be in the same room. And here they are and can't agree on how to say mauve. I mean, it's not even a word that's really in more than 20 people's vernacular in the first place. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, no. And here we are. And then you just like, I didn't know how we got here, but here we are. And it's a pleasure Arn. That's tremendous. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we've been sitting here talking this entire time with, you know, good friend. And uh, it's been fantastic. RJ, you are a pleasure as always uh, a a real mensch. Yeah. Some would say some would say (laughs) some would say Uh, what is going on with you next and where can people like uh, look at you in your underwear? I well, uh, youtube.com slash RJ City. Hey, W airs Sunday mornings at the crack of dawn on AW's YouTube. And then after that on Sundays, I'm usually making coffee in my underwear and talking about my experience. You know, I think it's it's like an after show in many ways. Uh, what else? Me and Renee uh, hosting every pay-per-view pre-show for some ungodly reason. And uh, that's it. otherwise like I'm around, you know. I feel like you don't I don't you don't need to know exactly where I'll be other than around. Are you a vacation guy? Like no. do you go away? You know no. what I mean? Or are you just you, when was the last time you went away on like a real vacation? And done nothing has not not been for years. Every time I like to go early to the where where AW is and go right. to the hotel and I have the sick fantasy that I'm a writer finishing his novel. <laughs> okay. Meanwhile, it's just like jokes about Jeff Jarrett. That's yeah. the novel I'm yeah. That's fair, though. Yeah, that's fair. Good for you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, once again, RJ City, check him out on AEW. Please go check. If I mean, listen, he's here. You're listening to him. You're already following his stuff. If you're not, you're silly and foolish. Please go follow him. Pester him. Send him, you know, horrible pictures. Send him gifts. Uh, Lolcal him if you have to. Because yeah. uh, he said he's around. He's got nothing else going on in yeah. his life. And he loves you all yeah. so much. Yeah. Poke and, me on Facebook. That was uh, a fun <laughs> thing to bring back. Let's do that. <laughs> right. I always bring him back stuff that just shouldn't be brought back, huh? I like what is it. wrong with you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will be right back right after this. Hello, special friends. You can catch Greg and Brad, your smack daddies, each weekend on the SNME radio network. We cover our lives, what's happening on the East Coast, and eventually cover SmackDown. Check us out each week at SundayNightsMainEvent.com. Please subscribe to get your Smack Daddies and the rest of the SME Radio Network content directly to your podcatcher for less than a dollar a week. We the ones! 
Sunday, October 29th at the Oasis Convention Center from 11 a.m. until 5 p.m., the Awesome Toy Show is making its long-awaited return. The Awesome Toy Show is a premier pop culture event in Mississauga for all your toys, collectibles, anime, artist alley, trading cards, gaming needs, and more. With their unique blend of vendors, artist cosplay contests, hourly raffle prizes, and live entertainment, they provide an awesome experience for everyone involved. The event is also driven with a charitable cause as they partner with Toronto Community Housing to gather toy donations and directly give back to those in need. Enter for your chance to win $2,500 for your holiday shopping. Sponsored by kingofprint.ca to enter, purchase raffle tickets at their show for your chance to win. Yet again, it is located at the Oasis Convention Center that is 1036 Lakeshore Road East in Mississauga, Ontario from 11 a.m. till 5 p.m. The Awesome Toy Show. And that was The Law, live audio wrestling's interview of the week with Chris Tidwell. Now, Chris, before we're, uh, you know, we're out of here and we'll be back next week. I know, you know, it's, it's, we'll be back. Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. And we've been going for a while now, but you got anything you want to, you want to say on the way out of here before, before we just cut this off? Thank you. Thank you to all of you that have, uh, have waited uh, <laughs> so many years as, along with myself. Uh, thank you to all of you that have listened to this, and thank you to all of you that have sent in uh, your requests, your questions, uh, everything like that. Uh, you will hear me say thank you to you all, the fans, the listeners, um, every single week. Because without you, there is no us, and without us, uh, there is no this. So uh, it all starts with you guys, and without the fans... There is no The Law Live Audio Wrestling. Thank you for listening to The Law Live Audio Wrestling with Chris Tidwell and Brady Wedup. You can email any questions or comments to be read on air to thelaw.liveaudiowrestling at gmail.com. 